discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A warm evening to you. Um, I trust you are doing very well. It's great to see you once again and to be with you, to share the word of God with you. Um, I know that you are being blessed, and I know that the word of God is working in your life. I know that the Holy Spirit himself, who um, has called you, will perfect his word in your life. Hallelujah. I want us to share a word of prayer, and then we'll start this evening's session. Father, thank you for this blessing. Thank you for this opportunity you've given to us. We are grateful. We are thankful. We pray that your word will take absolute control of our lives and of our hearts as we hear. Thank you for the ministry of the word and the ministry of the spirit that are prevalent in this place right now, even in Jesus' name. We receive your word with meekness and with gladness and with great joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I just want to share these few things with you. I believe will help you. Um, on Sunday, I started talking about how that, how that the ministry is for I mean, even last Wednesday, I started talking about it. How the ministry is for all of us. Uh, the Great Commission is for all of us. And then on Sunday, you know, I added some few, you know, lines to it to just um, help us understand the fact that God has called all of us. All of us are involved. And all of, my, all of us must, must, you know, give our best for the Lord. Hallelujah. If you read in John chapter 15, verse 16... It's a very profound scripture there. He says, you have not chosen me. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. And I told you that if um, you feel some things are written to the disciples and some things are not written to us, it, you have problems. Most of the things that Jesus said to the disciples were actually to the church. You know, and in John chapter 15, he was actually talking. This was, it's called the upper room discourse. You know, it was his last instructions to the disciples and hence to the church. He says, you have not chosen me. But I have chosen you. You see, the Lord has chosen us and ordained you. He's chosen and ordained us that we should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you shall ask the Father of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen We have been chosen of God. God has chosen us and given us the exclusive privilege of preaching the gospel. Even angels do not have this opportunity to share in this all-glorious responsibility. Not even angels have the opportunity. If you read in Acts chapter 11, verse 12, Peter was, giving, uh, was recounting how things played out in Cornelius' house. You know, Cornelius was a wonderful man who had built, uh, who had done so many nice things for the Jews. And uh, he, he, he wasn't born again. And God sent an angel to him, you know, to tell him something. When the angel came, the angel could not preach the gospel to him. The angel asked for him to go for Peter, who would come and preach the gospel to him for him to be saved. Meaning that it was, it's, not a, it's not something angels can do. 
preaching the gospel is not, it's not a duty or a responsibility of angels. It is the sole preserve of people, of Christians like you and me. And God has bestowed that honor upon us. It is the honor of the Lord. God has bestowed us upon us that kind of honor, you know, to preach the gospel. If you look at this in, in Acts chapter 11, verse 12, it says, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. He was talking about this Peter talking. Since we entered into Cornelius' house. And Cornelius showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? He says, Send for Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby you and all your house shall be saved. The angel could not preach the gospel. He, he, he had to send for Peter to come and preach the gospel to him. So it is a glorious opportunity that God has given to us. You know God can save everybody at once, practically speaking. God, of course, he's done the legal aspect of dying on the cross and shedding his blood, you know, and taking his blood to the heavenly holy of holies and all of that. He's done the legal aspect, but he's depending on us. The one who did the legal aspect could have done the experiential aspect. He could have. God didn't need us or he doesn't need us to um, be the ones to carry the gospel to people, to men. But because he wants to share in his glory with us, he's left us, or he's giving us that opportunity to share in his glory by participating with him in sharing the gospel. So it is a glorious opportunity that God has given to us, you know, for us to be part of his glory. Hallelujah. If you read in Romans chapter 8, you see it. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 7. 17, rather. Romans 8, 17. It says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Have you seen it? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Then it says, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Preaching the gospel and doing all those things comes with a certain kind of suffering, a certain kind of sacrifice. You need to sacrifice your time, sacrifice your energy, sacrifice your money, sacrifice, you know, so many things in order to bring the gospel to someone else. Hallelujah. And Paul is saying that if we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together with him. The reason why he's given us the opportunity is so that we can be glorified together with him. If you read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, you see some more of this over there. 2 Timothy 2, verse 11. He says, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Next verse. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he, will, he also will deny us. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So your reigning with him is dependent on your suffering for him. Or going through things in order for the gospel discomfort, in order for the gospel to get to another person. He knows that it is uncomfortable. He knows that you have to work. He knows that you, you, you have to work at, uh, in the night. You know? But then he still wants you to preach the gospel anyway. He still wants you to bring uh, the good news to someone and change someone's life. It is our responsibility. And it is a glorious responsibility. It is an opportunity that God has given to us. Hallelujah. 
for what purpose? In order for us to be glorified with him. Remember, it says, if you deny me, if you will deny him, he, he also will deny us. Look at Mark, Mark chapter 8, verse 36. Mark chapter 8, verse 36. It says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Next verse. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing any man can give in exchange for his soul. Next verse. That it says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So he'll be ashamed of some people because they were ashamed of him. They, they, they felt, some Christians felt, there was too much pressure, it was uncomfortable. They didn't see it as the glory of God. This is the, this is the opportunity God has given to all of us to partake in his glory, to partake in his glory. It's so important. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing that a man can give in exchange for his soul. That is why he sent us to make sure their souls are one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Always remember that God is not aimless. Always remember that fact. God is not aimless. God has an aim. God has a goal. He's not purposeless. No one goes to the shop to buy rubbish or to buy rags. Nobody does. Anyone who goes to the shop to buy something goes to buy something of value, of worth. God has an aim in giving us Jesus Christ, his son, for our salvation. He does. He does. He has an aim. He didn't save us so that we can... We can do whatever we want to do, or we can exist, just exist, and you know, have a wonderful time with him. No, he saved us so that we can save others. That is why he saved us. He saved us so that we can, we can be in line with his purposes. He has a purpose. He has an aim. He wants us to follow his aim. If you read the scriptures, you see how you know, some of the aims of God. He, God shows it to us in various ways and in various forms. If you read in First Peter chapter 2, Verse 4 and 5. Look at First Peter 2, 4 and 5. You know, he says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He says, We came to Jesus Christ as a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and, pre- and precious. Verse 5. Then he says, You also as living stones. So all of us are given birth to, we are born again into the kingdom of God as living stones. Lively stones. So you are a stone, I'm a stone. And that's a very powerful revelation. What it means is that you don't have to grow old. Stones do not grow old. Amazing. A stone can be there for many years. Nothing will happen to it. Okay? Yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to get, you know, fall, keep falling sick and all of that. Because you are a stone. Spiritually speaking, you are, you are a stone. Hallelujah. It says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. It says, We are living stones and are being built up. So that, this is the aim of God. We came in as stones, but then we have to be built up to become a spiritual house or a temple or the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is actually what is being, what is being constructed right now. I showed you some on, on Sunday. And he's constructing the new Jerusalem with our lives, with you and with me. Ye as lively, also as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we came in as stones, we are to be built up into a spiritual house. That's, 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 the, that's an aim, that's the aim of God. 
He doesn't want you to remain a stone. He wants you to become a house, a spiritual house. If you read Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, verse 19, you see some of this particular fact, there. Ephesians 2, from verse 19. So all of us are on our way. We are on our journey to being built, to, to be the new Jerusalem. All of us make the new, the new Jerusalem. We are the, the, the stones that are, that are converted into the new Jerusalem. That's the truth. Hallelujah. Now, therefore, ye are no more citizens, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Next verse says, You belong to the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You see, he says, You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So, Jesus Christ is the chief foundation, he is the foundation. Hallelujah. Jesus is the foundation. First Corinthians chapter, chapter 3, verse 11, says that, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ himself. First Corinthians 3, 11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation upon which we are also built. Do you see? And the apostles are the many foundations. So go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter chapter 2, verse 20 says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. They say Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone or the chief foundation. And the apostles are also foundations. And I showed it to you how that the apostles formed the foundations of the new Jerusalem. I don't know if you remember on Sunday. Hallelujah. That's in Revelation chapter 21, verse 11 downwards. Do you see? So we are being built up. We are being built up. You must be built up. And one of the main things that builds you up is by engaging in the ministry that God has given you to, to engage in. Without engaging in the ministry that you have been given, you will not be built up. Our, build, our, 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 our construction is based on our ministry, being involved in the ministry. So important. So important. It's a major aspect. It's a major aspect. You must be trained. You have to be trained. To learn the skill of winning a soul. You have to be trained to learn the skill of raising a soul. You have to be trained in the skill of helping someone establish, you know, become established in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord. It is all the building. So you are to become a building. You are stone. You are supposed to become a building. How do you become a building? By fulfilling your ministry. By fulfilling your ministry. Okay, keep your finger here. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read verse 9 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9. It says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. So you are God's farm and you are God's building. There's, a, there's an aspect where he uses a farm. He uses, it describes us as trees, plantings of the Lord. And then there's another aspect where he uses architectural terms. He talks about how that we are buildings under construction. You are God's building. But you come in as a stone. He has living stones. You come in as a stone. And then you are built up by the Holy Spirit. And one of the major ways the Holy Spirit builds you up is by building you up to fulfill your ministry. So all the Christians who are not involved or interested in the ministry are Christians who are not being built up. If you want to know a Christian who is being built up, check if he's involved in the ministry. Check if he's involved in the work of the Lord. Because that's what the Lord calls us for. That is what he calls us for. That's, what he, that's why we are here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets 
and some uh, evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He gave all these people for the perfection of the saints, to perfect us, the saints, so that we can do the work of the ministry and so that we can edify or build up the body of Christ. How do we build up the body of Christ? By bringing people in and training them and caring for them and helping them. That's how it's done. And every Christian must be involved. Look at the, look at the message of this verse. Verse 12. To train Christians in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church. You see, he gave them to train Christians in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, which is the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if a, if a Christian is not fulfilling his ministry, that Christian is not being built up as it's supposed to be. He's, he's still a stone. He's not changing to become a building. You must change to become a building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21. He says, in whom all the building fitly framed together. So you a building, I'm a building, he's a building, she's a building. We are all framed together. Groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. What is that holy temple in the Lord? The New Jerusalem. Next verse. Verse 22. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is building you up. And one of the major ways of building you up is through the ministry. Helping you get involved in the ministry and, and, and creating an environment where you can do something for him. It's so important. It's so important. Because all that you do for the Lord, okay, all the things that you do for the Lord are what is used. Those are the things that are used to decorate your building. Those are the things that are used to decorate your building. Whether you like it or not, we are all building something. And that's what I've been showing. To, let me show it to you. Let me show you to some more. Go to First Corinthians three once again. Let's read from verse nine. It says, "For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building." Verse ten. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another man, another builder thereof. But let every man take heed how he builded thereupon. It says, "Everybody should be careful what he's building." Since I have built, as a master builder, I have laid the foundation. I came to lay the foundation of the gospel. And everyone is building upon what I laid. The foundation I laid. That's why we read Paul's writings. Because God gave him the ability. God gave him the grace. You see, he, he attributed it to the grace of God. According to the grace of God which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another man, another builder thereon. But let every man take heed how he builded thereupon. Next verse, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It means that you can't build outside of Christ. So Christ is the foundation. Remember, we are all building, Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 7, from verse 24. It says, the one who hears my word and does them is like a man who builds his house upon a solid rock. Who is that solid rock? Jesus Christ. I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make his Jesus Christ is that precious stone, that precious foundation. He's the foundation. And we are all building upon that foundation. So he says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, so everybody's building, every one of us is building, every Christian is building upon the foundation of Christ. He says, If any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. I was telling you about this day. Because it shall be reviewed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And I told you that the fire is the fire of Jesus' eyes. 
If you read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 14, you see it. When John saw Jesus, he says that Jesus' head and hair was white as snow. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. Then he says, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. So the eyes of the Lord will try your work. On that day, you stand with him alone. On Sunday, I mentioned the three kinds of judgment. The judgment of sin, the judgment of the white throne judgment, and then the bimacy judgment, which is for us. The bimacy judgment is for Christians. And that bimacy judgment has to do with Jesus sitting down and then you coming to come and stand before him. For your rewards, to be judged for your rewards, you will look into your eyes to see what kind of work you've built. Did you build with gold, with precious stones, with silver, or with wood, hay, and stubble? Wood, hay, and stubble will burn when it goes through fire. And that fire is the fire of his eyes. He will, he will look into your eyes and find out how much you loved him. Did you love me? If you loved me, what did you do for me? I loved you so. So this is the comparison. I loved you so much. I left my glory. I left heaven, came on earth, became a man, and humbled myself, and died the most shameful of deaths in order to save you. What did you do for me? That would be the question. What did you do for me? Remember that he has chosen you. He's done all. He's loved you so much. So that you will also love him. Return your love to him. Return his love to him. And that's what is written in 2 Corinthians. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see a record of the Bimasi judgment and how to, to respond to the love of God. Let's, let me read the whole thing to you so that you understand. Normally, I read one portion and I read the other. So maybe you don't think it's together. Let me read it together for you, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read from verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that every man may receive the things done in his body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. That's what I'm talking about. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, so that everyone may receive the things done in his body, done in Christ's body, according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad, what you did in your body and what you did in the body of Christ. Next verse. Then he says, Knowing therefore the child of the Lord. So he, he attaches some terror to this particular judgment. He says, Knowing therefore the child of the Lord, because the Lord will ask you, and he, he would want to find out what you did for him. Knowing therefore the child of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Verse 12. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on, on our behalf, that you may have someone to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. Verse 13. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. It says, if you think I'm, I'm mad, it is because of Jesus Christ. Or whether we be sober, if you feel that I'm cool, I'm quiet, it is because of you, it is for your cause. Sometimes when I'm preaching, you, you, some people think that we are, we are, we are, we are mad. You know, yes, it's, it's, very, it's very common. Because when you're preaching with a certain fervor, because you, you know the child of the Lord. You know the child of the Lord. Paul says, knowing the child of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade everybody. We talk to everybody. We persuade people to try and live their lives beyond this normal world. Yes, you are working. You are schooling. But remember why you are here on earth. Remember your purpose. And incorporate your school into your purpose. Incorporate your work into your purpose. I'm there because of souls. I'm there because of Jesus Christ. I'm at the banking hall because of Jesus Christ. I'm at the hospital because of Jesus Christ. I'm a lawyer because of Jesus Christ. And I'm ready to share him with everybody else. I will not be ashamed of him. I will not close my mouth because I'm ashamed. I don't want to feel embarrassed. I don't want to feel uh, some way. No, I'm going to preach the gospel. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. 
verse 14. Then it says, for the love of Christ. I am the way I am because of the love of Christ. For the love of Christ constrained us. The love that Christ has had in our behalf. Okay? He says, we consider how much Jesus loved us. He loved us so much, he died. He loved us so much, he died. Brother, sister, if you are the only one here on earth, Jesus will still have come to come and die for you. That's how special you are. You are so special to him. You are so special to him. I'm, I'm hearing someone say this, that I'm not good enough. No, God feels you are good enough. God feels you are good enough. You know, before Peter moved to Cornelius' house, God showed him a vision. He showed him a vision of a, a, a wide mat, white mat, that had various animals, different animals, reptiles, you know, four-footed beasts, all over. And the voice, the Holy Spirit told Peter, stand up, kill, and eat. And Peter said, no. I will not, I will not, I will not. No, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. This is Acts chapter 10, verse 14. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the Lord spoke back to him and said, look at the next verse, but the voice spoke unto him again the second time. What God, what God has cleansed, that call not thou common. What God says is clean. You, human being, should not say it's not clean. The Lord says you are clean. The Lord says you are qualified. The Lord says you are the one he has chosen. Don't say I'm not clean. I'm not good enough. He says what I have called clean, you should not call unclean. What I have called uncommon, you should not call common. So you may feel like you are not clean. You may, you may feel like you are, you, are, you are common. But the Lord says no, you are clean and you are, you are uncommon. You are the one I've chosen. You have, I've set you apart for myself for this work. You are the one I've chosen for this work. You can do it. Be inspired. The Holy Spirit is in you. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not given to us to speak in tongues only. That is not the primary reason why the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came into us to help us preach the gospel. To help us become witnesses. That's in Acts 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. The word witnesses is martyrs. That's what we derive the word Mattia. It means someone who is so convinced of what he has experienced and what he has seen that he's ready to die for his testimony. To say what he's seen. Just express the goodness of God. That's all. Just, just let people know what the Lord has done for you. Has the Lord done anything for you? Your testimony is good enough to change your life. Your testimony is good enough. Your testimony is so powerful. That is why when, you know, Jesus called people to follow him. Jesus called a rich man to follow him. The rich man said, I can't, I, I, I can't leave my, my riches and follow you. You know, Jesus called so many people. But as a madman of Gadara, Jesus healed him of a legion. There were many more than 6,000 demons in one person. When that man became free, when he was free and he came back to his senses, he asked Jesus to follow him. Jesus said no. That was the first and only time Jesus said no to anyone following him. Jesus was making requests for people to follow him. But when he came to this man, Jesus said, no, don't follow me. But go and tell the people, your brothers, your sisters, your family, your, your city, all the things, the good things that the Lord has done for you. That gentleman had a testimony. This is Mark chapter 5. He had a testimony. Mark chapter 5, verse 19. He says, how be Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and has had compassion on thee. Your testimony is good enough. Your testimony is bigger than a Bible, any Bible school you can think about. And it's good enough to bring someone to salvation. 
So don't feel you are not you are not good enough or you are unclean. You are clean. Do not call unclean or uncommon or common what the Lord has called clean. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go back to Second Corinthians chapter five. When verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ, the love that Jesus has had on our behalf constrains us. It hems us in. The more you think about how much he has loved you, the more you would want to do something for him. The more you would want to retain his love for him. Because with that judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. If one died for all, then we're all dead. If Jesus died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, so that they which live, that is you and I, who have believed in him and his are alive, should not henceforth live unto, unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So enough of living for yourself. See, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah, that is why he called you, he chose you to live for him. You are his treasure. Yes, you are his treasure. He doesn't joke with you at all. You are a great tool in his hand. And he's going to rot many victories with you. He's going to change many lives with you. All you need to do is to say yes, that's all. And I see you saying yes in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. So, we must, we must uh, respond to his call, to his choosing, and be confident in the fact that he has chosen us. He has chosen you, and he has chosen me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I was going to show you, let me show you this last thing, and I will close for today. Hallelujah. You know, I intentionally close early on Wednesdays so that when you come on Sundays, we can do a longer time. So you should be congratulating me. You should be thanking me and you should be enjoying. Hallelujah. Yeah, so that when we meet on Sunday, we can spend more time together. Is it a powerful idea? So I wanted to show you, um, you know, I was, I was telling you on Sunday how that at the Bima seat judgment, at the, at the Bima seat judgment, we are going to be judged for rewards. Okay? He's going to be judging us for rewards, to give us rewards. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all the things we do for him will be rewarded. Even a small cup of water given to a small child in the name of the Lord will be rewarded. All the things we do for him, cleaning chairs, winning a soul, Establishing the person in the house of God, caring for someone. Sometimes you didn't win the person to the Lord, but your care for the person is what made the person stay in the Lord. All those things are rewarded. And if you read, if you read in Matthew chapter ten, verse forty-two, it says, "And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. He shall in no wise lose his reward." So he will reward you for even giving a cup of cold water okay, to a little child. Fasting will be rewarded. All the fast things we do will be rewarded. All the praying will be rewarded. If you read in Matthew chapter 7, you see it all, all there. Matthew six sixteen. Moreover, when you fast, be not as a hypocrite, as a, as a, of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. <laughs> they have their so you are fasting and you are telling everybody hmm, Tali, I'm really hungry I'm, I don't know this fast it says you have your reward you are showing everybody that you are fasting hey next verse 17 but thou when thou fastest anoint thine head and wash thy face it says take a shower look good that thou appear not unto men to fast 
but unto thy father which is in secret, you will, you will be fasting. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So he reward you. The Lord will reward you openly on that day. Everybody will know that you had a life of fasting. He will, he will give you your reward. He will openly give you your reward. Next verse. Then it says, Lay not for yourselves treasure upon earth, where moth and dust uh, and wrath dust corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. You know, this had to do with giving. But when you go down, you see him talking about prayer as well. Or rather, it's up. It's up. Yeah, it's verse 5, Matthew 6, 5, says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, that they have their rewards. They have their reward. <laughs> but thou, when thou prayest, enter thou into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Wow! wow. Yeah, so you'll be rewarded for praying. For praying for souls, for praying for the country. Your prayer is so important. Your prayer is so important. One of the, I'll, I'll talk about prayer. Prayer in fulfilling our ministry. I'll talk about it. You know, but it's so important. Without it, a lot of things will not be done. A lot of things will not be done. Winning a soul will come with a reward. Every single thing. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Every single thing that you do will be rewarded. And they that shall be wise, be wise, shall shine as a brightness of the firmament. Let's read from verse 2 into verse 3. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. He's talking about that day. And it says, And they that be wise shall shine as a brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness are the stars forever and ever. It says, Those who turn many to righteousness, those who bring many to the Lord, what does it mean to be wise? Proverbs chapter 11 verse 30 shows us what it means to be wise in, the, in these scriptures. The, the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. And the one who is wise shall shine as a star. And those that turn many to righteousness as the brightness of the firmament. Wow. As the stars forever and ever. Isn't it not beautiful? So... You, you, want, you want to receive your rewards on that day. Yeah. You have to. You have to. Don't be found in heaven naked. There are those who be found in heaven naked. They, they don't have a garment on. They don't have their garment of righteousness on. That's another, that's another side. Maybe some other time I'll talk about it. You know. But the accounts, the accounts that are categorically mentioned, all the rewards that we are given are incorruptible. If you read in First Peter chapter 1, you see it. Look at First Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1 from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope, unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope. Next verse. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. We have an inheritance that is, in, that is incorruptible. And undefiled, and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wow. So all the rewards are incorruptible. They are incorruptible. 
if you read in First Corinthians chapter nine, from verse twenty-seven, look at First Corinthians nine, from verse twenty-seven. He encourages you to run your race. All of us have a race. Every Christian has a race to run. Brothers and sisters, you are running a race. You are building something. You are running a race. There are so many things that uh, symbols that the Lord uses in the Bible to let us know that we have a calling and we have something to fulfill. Let's read for verse twenty-five, so it makes more sense. 1 Corinthians 9.25. It says, And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. Okay? Let's, let's go up. Go to verse 24. Maybe it will help us. It says, Know you not that they which run in a, they which run in a, in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. He was not writing to uh, pastors. He's writing to Christians. He says we are running. Everybody should run to obtain his, his reward. Everybody should run to obtain his reward. Go back to that place. It's nice. Knowing not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth a prize, so run that you may obtain. If you read in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Wherefore seeing we also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There's a race set before you. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. He uses Jesus as our example. He says that Jesus also ran his race and finished his race, and hence is now sitting on the right hand of God in glory. So you to run your race. Run your race. There are, there are people are arrayed on your path who will only be saved by you. It's an amazing thing. They need to hear your voice. They will stay in the house of God by your, your work. Yes, by your work. They will, stay, they will stay in the house of God by your work, by your love, by your care, by you bringing them to the house of God, by your calls, by your follow-up, by your visitation. They will stay through you and through what you do for the Lord. And it's a race. He says, those who run in the world, they are... Olympics just ended. All those who got the rewards got rewards that are perishable. They will perish of time. They will. But the rewards that we receive is incorruptible. And that's what we wanted to show you. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9. It says, Know you not, from verse 24, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Verse 25. And every man strive, that striveth for the mastery or to win is temperate in all things. The, the word mastery is Olympics, something like that. Gymnastics is temperate in all things. He's temperate that he casts some things off. No, enough of this, enough of that. No eating unnecessarily. No exercising and doing all the things that he or she is supposed to do so that they may win the reward. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we do it to obtain an incorruptible crown. That's basically what he's showing you. Wow. So all the crowns I'm going, to, I'm going to mention are incorruptible. They do not fade. They do not fade. And the Lord has reserved them in heaven for you. So many rewards. Like I said, rewards for everything. Everything you do for the Lord. Every single thing you do for the Lord will be rewarded. Rewards for even traveling to church. Coming to church, being in a service. Every service will have a reward. Everything. It's amazing. The Lord will take his time and reward all of us. Yes. It's in the Bible. You see it. First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read verse 5. First Corinthians 4, 5. 
He says, therefore, judge nothing before the time unto the Lord, the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Then he says, and then shall every man have praise of God. Let's read the Amplified of this. So do not make any hasty or premature judgment before the time when the Lord comes again, for he will both bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims, motives, and purposes of hearts. Then every man will receive his due commendation from God. So we will receive our due commendation from God on that day. Yes. So this one talks about the type of work that you do. Just like you have in First Corinthians. He spoke to the Corinthian church about these things. Your due commendation. We all receive due commendation. Someone may be cleaning the chest, but it's not doing it out of his heart. It will be revealed. The secret aims will be revealed. Maybe you are cleaning the chest because you want, you want the pastor to say, God bless you. Or you want something to be done for you. It shouldn't be like that. You are doing it for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get involved, basically. That's what I'm trying. We are trying to help you get involved. You know, and understand that you have a call. The Lord has called you. You have a ministry to fulfill. All of us have a ministry to fulfill. So I just want to show you these crowns that the Bible, you know, categorically mentions that um, are stick and that we are going to receive if we do what God wants us to do. Hallelujah. So four crowns in the scriptures. There are four crowns that we see. The first one that I'll talk about is the crown of life. And you can find it in James chapter 1, verse 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. The crown of life. There's a crown called the crown of life. And you receive that crown when you go through certain things of the Lord. Look at it. It says, Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. All those who love him will receive a crown of life. All those who go through endure temptation, endure, he's talking about sufferings, going through problems, challenges because of him. You know, as soon as you become serious with God, and as soon as, as, soon as you start doing something for the Lord, as soon as you start fulfilling your ministry, and start getting involved in bringing people to the house of God and establishing them and visiting them and following up on them and you know all those things teaching them the word of God helping them caring for them as a shepherd you see that things will start rising up against you because the devil doesn't like it he doesn't like it so temptations will start will, will rise problems will come up if you read in Matthew chapter 10 Jesus spoke about how that don't think I've come to bring peace on earth. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. Say, don't think that I came to bring peace. Ah, I thought he's the prince of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. But when it comes to doing what he wants, then he says, don't think I've brought peace on the earth. I came not to send peace on, on peace, but a sword. I came to send, I brought a sword. Next verse. For what purpose? For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. And the daughter against her mother, and the and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Is it? I've come to cut through the most cozy of relationships. Yes. Next verse. Look at the next verse. Because these are sensitive relationships. Go back. Go to verse thirty-five. These are sensitive relationships. Fathers are normally close to their daughters, isn't it? Uh huh. But they are not so close to their sons. Normally, I mean, in most most cultures, you have there's always a problem. So he says. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. So a man against his father. 
A relationship that is already shaky. It's like came to bring problems between the two of them. And the daughter against a mother. Mothers and daughters also, also almost always have problems. Is it true? Yes, almost always. He says, I came to bring problems between the two of you. And the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. That's a, that's, out of all of that, that's the most sensitive of them. Yeah. Mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. It's a problem. Next verse, verse 36. And a man's foes or a man's enemy shall be they of, of his own household. Those from your house will become your problem. I'm not, he's not saying that the people in your village will be the ones doing you. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying at all. He says, the people who are closest to you will become concerned about you. And they will rise up to try to protect you when you want to make a sacrifice for him. And that rise, that will be your temptation. That will be your suffering. The suffering that you go through. A man's foe shall be day of his own household. Next verse. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. This is not to pastors. It's to every Christian. If you love father or mother more than me, it says you are not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are harsh words. But they are true. What he's trying to say is that I want you to focus on me. I am number one in your life. I am more important than your mother. I'm more important than your father. I love my mom. I love my dad. But Jesus is first. Jesus is first. That's basically, he wants you to get your priorities right. Jesus and his work and his mission is first. If you make God first, everything will fall in line. And one of the, one of the I have, there's a gentleman that you know, is around. Recently, he was telling me how his investments has crossed $2 million. Young guy. He doesn't joke with visiting people. Years ago, he learned, when he heard these words, he allowed it to form his perspective in life. And he decided for it to be, for Jesus to be his number one reason for existence. So he works because of Jesus. He does everything because of Jesus. Jesus is number one in his life. Let Jesus be number one in your life. He doesn't mind. He will follow up. He will, he will make sure he's in church. He will make sure he's visiting someone. He'll make sure he's bringing someone to church. He'll make sure he's giving for God's kingdom to go on. That's his primary reason for existence. And the Lord is blessing him just like that. And I see the same happening for you as well. It's the same God. Same God. Same principles. If you follow it, if you adopt it for yourself, it will work for you. Yeah. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Next verse. And he that taketh not his cross. So your cross is your suffering. Jesus carried his cross. He carried his, his, the cross of suffering, the cross of his sacrifice. In order for us to have salvation, you also have a cross to carry. You also have a sacrifice to make in order for someone else to have and experience God. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Next verse. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. This is not to pastors. This is to every Christian. This is to every Christian. Next verse. Is there a next verse? Verse 40. He that receiveth, he receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. So brothers and sisters, we have a, we have a beautiful, wonderful privilege of sacrificing for the Lord, of serving the Lord, of giving our lives, you know, our energy, our time. You can do something for the Lord. You, you'll be surprised that you can do something for the Lord. You'll be surprised that someone will be in the house of God. Two or three people or four people will be in the house of God because of your, your movement, your movement, your, your moving out of your, your comfort zone, you know, will bring someone to the house of God and establish someone in the house of God. So he gives you that kind of life for your sacrifices. 
for enduring temptations, for going through the challenges. James chapter 1 verse 12 once again. Blessed is the man that endured temptations. Maybe it's really amplified it to help. Blessed, happy to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands and up under temptation. For when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. You make all those sacrifices because of your love for him. Wow. A similar thing is written in Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. Same, still about the crown of life. Revelation 2 10. For fear none of those things which which thou shalt suffer. So these guys are suffering. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. Ten days is a short time in biblical terms. When Isaac was going to marry Rebecca, and Abraham sent the servant servant to go and bring Rebecca. Rebecca's brother said she should stay with them for ten days before she leaves. And 10 days was described as a short time. So 10 days represents a short time. Okay, it says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that he may be tried, and you shall have tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death. He didn't say, I'll save you from death. Can you imagine? It says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Yeah, so you're being faithful under pressure. And that in challenging times, going through all the problems, and you are still standing for the Lord. This, if you read Christian history, okay, the history of Christianity, you will see all those people who went through various problems because of Jesus and didn't renounce Christ. They were beheaded, some were sawn into two, some were, you know, tortured. A lot of things happened to them. But the Bible says, if you read it, let me show it to you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. Look at Hebrews eleven twenty-two. Hebrews eleven thirty-two, rather. Hebrews eleven thirty-two. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and of Simon of the prophets. Next verse. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. Next verse. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fly the armies of the aliens. Verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They were tortured, not accepting deliverance. For what purpose? So that they might obtain a better resurrection. They didn't, they were being tortured, and their torturers were, they were telling them, if you renounce, if you recount the Lord, I'll give you this, you'll be fine. They didn't accept to be delivered. For what purpose? So that they might obtain a better resurrection. They knew, the word of God, they knew in their hearts that if they should die for the Lord, they will have a better resurrection. You know, the resurrected body, your, your, the body you receive when you resurrect on that day will have a compendium of all that you did for the Lord. All that you did for the Lord will be in your body. And depending on what you did for the Lord, your glory can be very high or very low. The Lord shows us so many types, so many things that uh, um, reflects our work for him. It's so important. You have to respond to the, I don't know how, what else to say, but you have to respond to the call of God upon your life. You have to respond to the call of God. You have to respond to the work of God. You have to. Because after all is said and done, that is what will, that is what will matter. That is what will matter. 
If you go up, same book, same chapter, you see Moses. Moses gave up a lot of things for the Lord. He caused the sufferings of Christ. Um, let me show it to you. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Next verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He esteemed the reproach of Christ, the sufferings of Christ, and the problems he was going through. Esteemed the reproaches of Christ. Greater riches. He thought it was greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He had respect unto the recompense, unto the reward that he was going to get. The word uh, recompense is Mr. Podosia. Yeah, the reward that, is, that awaits you. <laughs> if you know the reward that awaits you, you will not mind what you go through. The, the seeming sacrifices you make here on earth for the Lord. The seeming discomfort. The small one hour or two hours during the week to go out to go out on on a, on a, on a, on a, on an evangelism a group evangelism with your group to to win souls and bring some to the lord it will not be a sacrifice at all because you know what awaits you while we look not at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal that's in second second corinthians chapter chapter 4 verse 16 look at second corinthians 4 16 it says, for which cause we fail not, but though our outward man perish, yet uh, the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, he causes light affliction. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The things that you're going through here, eh? for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and an, an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a glory that is working out for you. All the discomfort you go through here on earth will be rewarded. You receive your crown of life. Yeah, you receive your kind of life. I tell you, all the fights, the quarrels, because you are serving Jesus Christ, all the, 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 the shame you are bearing because of him will be rewarded. Sometimes people laugh at you. Ah, look at you. You, you, are, not, you, are, not, you, are, you are not making money at all because you have decided to follow the Lord and to be a soul winner and to do what God wants you to do. You may, de- you may be denying certain other things. You know, other things. But then it's not a problem. There's a higher, there's a higher glory that is waiting for you. And it is true. So many people were tortured, but did not accept deliverance because they knew what was coming so that they could have a better resurrection. Hallelujah. So I see receiving your crown of life. So the glory of God. So let's go to the, the, the second crown. Let me do this last one and then we'll close. Sunday I'll do the rest of the two and then take you to another side altogether. Okay? The next one is a crown of rejoicing. There's a crown called a crown of rejoicing. Yes, a crown of rejoicing. And it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. Maybe I'll just run through all of them and then we'll stop, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? There's a crown for the crown of rejoicing. 
He says, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? You know, Paul is writing to the Thessalonian church and he says that you people are my joy. You people are my crown. Look at the next verse, verse, verse 20. For you are our glory and joy. For ye are our glory and joy. The people that you present to the Lord on the day that you stand before him are going to be the people that will be a crown for you to wear. Which is a crown of rejoicing. You'll be rejoicing in front of the Lord. You'll be rejoicing in front of the Lord because you're able to prepare and bring people to the Lord. Is it not even you in the presence of the Lord at his coming? So, your converse staying in the, in the kingdom of God and staying in the house of God until the appearing of Jesus Christ is your reward, your crown of rejoicing. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Is it not you? You see, so all of us, we, we are to present people. All of us must present people. We must present somebody. The question is, who, who are you presenting? You must present somebody. You must, it's either you win the person's soul and present the person, or you, someone wins the person's soul and you present the person. I mean, you must be presenting somebody. You must be involved in, in raising people for the Lord. You have to. Look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Let's read from verse 27 into 29. It says, To whom God would make known the, what, is the, what is the richest of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I could preach a whole month on this one. Then it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, so that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So we present every man perfect in Christ Jesus or grown, matured in Christ Jesus. So there's a day coming when people are going to be presented to the Lord. Yes. Everyone is supposed to present somebody. You and I must present somebody. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. For I'm jealous of you with, with godly... This is Paul talking again. For I'm jealous of you with godly jealousy. Why? For I've espoused you to one husband, that is Christ Jesus, so that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So he was conscious of presenting the people to Christ on that day. So he was interested in working on them and helping them grow and teaching them the word of God and, and you know, establishing them in the kingdom so they can grow and stay in the kingdom to be presented to the Lord on the day that we stand before him for the Bimasi judgment because they are your crown. They will be your crown. The people you present will be your crown. Who are you presenting? You must care for people. You must teach people. You must raise people. Pray for people. Pray for some people. Pray for the children of God. Paul said, my little children, of whom I am traveling, better gain unto Christ be formed in you. Why? Why was he traveling in prayer? Because of that day, so that he can present them to Christ Jesus as a chaste virgin. Yeah. We are going to present somebody. You have to present somebody. You have to present somebody. And the one you present, those you present, you, re- you present to the Lord on that day are going to be your crown. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 1. Philippians 4 1. It's so exciting. This is the, these are the reasons why I do what I do. I do it, I, there's, there's a higher purpose. There's a higher motivation. Higher than money. Higher than what money can buy. No, it's higher. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day when I stand before him. I'm looking forward to hearing these words from him when I stand before him. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come and be lord over much because you have been, you have been faithful little. You know, what we are doing is little. No matter how small a thing you do for the Lord, if you are faithful to it, he will crown you. 
So the, 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 the challenge is not with doing so many things. It's doing what the Lord wants you to do. Doing what, being faithful to what he has given to you. You may, you may not become a pastor, a bishop, all over the... You may not, you may not become. It's not, it's, that is not the point. But the people you raise for the Lord are very important. Sometimes God will give you an opportunity to raise three people, five people, ten people your entire life. That's all you have. But then, being faithful to that three or four or five or ten your entire life makes all the difference. You'll be rewarded for it. Look at this. Philippians 4.1. It says, Therefore, my, dearly, my brethren dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He was encouraging them to stand fast in the Lord. And he calls them, my, my, dear, my brethren dearly beloved. He was showing you how much he cared. He was showing them how much he cared about them. You must care for people. So the cell is a place to care, to bring the, the care of God, the love of God to bear. That's what people need. Love is the, is the commodity, is the, is the commodity in abundance but in short supply. People are looking for love. They are looking to be loved. And if you become a source of the love of Christ to people, you'll be rewarded. You'll be rewarded. What a privilege. What a privilege that we have. What a privilege. What a privilege we have. Hallelujah. Therefore, my, bre- my brethren dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He was telling them, stand fast in the Lord. Yeah, because on that day I'm going to present you. So, present somebody. Be conscious of it. Be conscious of it. This is bigger than whatever, any other thing you can think about. Hallelujah. Let, let, me, let me stop at this point. We'll continue with the last two on Sunday. And I know you're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. I know you've learned something. I know you've written something down. Go through them. Listen to the message once again. Let it inspire you to do something for the Lord. God bless you so much. I love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your children. Thank you for your presence in their lives. Thank you for all that you have said to them. Thank you that these words are working in them, causing them to rise up to fulfill your ministry, even in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.